Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. Oh, it's in the Old Testament, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to read it. Therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. I said to the nobles, leaders, and the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord is great and awesome. Fight for your brother. Fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. It's a scripture that I want our church to camp on for the next couple of minutes to understand the importance of a Christian family and the importance of a family that we must fight for. Family is not chosen by us. We don't choose our family. They are God's gift to us. Can I hear an amen? We, we don't choose a family. I was hearing somebody say recently, Oh, I wish I was born in that family. I, was, I wish I was married to. I wish I was born in. Uh, uh, we don't get to choose our family. They are God's gift to us. And the person you see there right next to right now, your family member, there's a soul connection, there's a blood connection to your family member seated right next to you right now. But you can look at God and say, God, I'm thankful for the very family you brought in my life. You might be sitting next to your annoying brother, your annoying sister, whoever you're sitting right next to. But they are God's gift in your life. No matter how annoying they are, but their blood bleeds is the same DNA that is in you. I pray that we understand the value of fighting for what matters the most. Fight for your family. Nehemiah in the scriptures is taking us to the attention where, you know, uh, the walls of Israel, Jerusalem is broken, it's crushed, it's crumbled, it's ruined, uh, 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 it's smoked up completely. But Nehemiah wants to build a, a safety a place for his family to live and come back and thrive and multiply and grow. And he wants a place, a space where the family of God can reunite together in God's vineyard that God has allowed them to be. And Nehemiah wants to build this city from its ashes. For before he builds the city, he wants to build a wall so that he can safeguard the people who will come and reside in this house. But while he does that, he sees gaps in between. And that's where the scripture helps us to understand. Therefore, verse 13, therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. Why does he do that? Because the moment there is an opening, enemy can intrude. The moment there is some sort of a disagreement within the family, you're allowing the enemy to walk in if you didn't have a good conversation right there. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. We, 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 we must recognize the, the, the tactics the enemy uses to walk into our life. We must recognize the tactics the enemy uses to just destroy and disrupt the very peace God wants us to enjoy. 
This morning, when I walked into our space, you know, I saw smiling faces all across. And I love seeing Miss Jeannie's face, you know, with, you, you look beautiful. When she walked in with our, with our smiling face, I'm like, wow, this must be heaven. I'm like, I had to pinch myself. Am I in heaven right now? I love seeing the beautiful smiling face of our church family. But listen, the enemy just needs one small opening to walk in. And if you allow him that space in your family, in your relationships, in your marriage, uh, 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 the relationship that you share between your, your children, uh, in your church, in your business, in, in whatever space where God has allowed you to influence, wherever God has positioned you, if you just allow a small opening and it goes unrecognized by you, the enemy recognizes it. If he has his way in it, he will destroy it completely. And that is why an anointed man, Nehemiah, he comes and he says, you know what? I'm going to position men to the lower wall. Why? Because there are openings. I want them to protect what the others are building on. And I pray a spiritual leadership will arise in the space who understands where there are gaps. We will not allow there to be any more gaps, but we will position people. We will position anointed elders here so that we will not allow the enemy to creep in anymore. And I pray as spiritual leaders within our household, you must understand if there are openings that has allowed the enemy to work, walk into our life. Nehemiah is a classic example, though he's in the Old Testament. But even today, after 3,000 plus years, his words shout clearly, breathing a breath of revival and anointing a freshness today in our soul. Why? Because it is so valued. It's so valuable even today. Listen, sometimes the way the enemy works is that, uh, and before I share that, People you love the most have the potential to hurt you the most. And sometimes when we do life with people, because they have hurt us, we walk away or we don't uh, uh, sit down and have a conversation with them, understand where they're coming from. You know, we just allow the enemy to keep working on that disagreement in our life. Disagreements can happen anywhere. But only the brave and the courageous and the people who are led in the spirit will have the courage to actually sit down across the platform to say, hey, you know what? I know we disagree, but can we unite in something? Can we come together? Because I don't want the enemy to walk in and disrupt the peace of God that this family holds together. The people you love the most have the potential to hurt you the most. But even while or when they do it, when you are a spiritual person, you see it through the eyes of God. I will not allow the enemy to destroy what God has brought together. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13. As a reminder to all of us that we have room to work in our spiritual life. We have room to work, areas to work in our family life. We have areas to work in our business life. Don't allow the enemy to walk in just for extra dollars that we can get. Don't let the enemy to walk in just because we have to accommodate something that you lose the values that creep us together as a Christian, as a child of God. Fight for your brother. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughter, your wives, and your houses. 
whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, also understand you don't have to do nothing. God fights for us. He fights for us. And this morning as we gather in this room, listen to this very carefully. The attack in the 21st century is on our home. The attack in the 21st century is against our relationships. The attack on the 21st century is against everything that is godly. The enemy is against godly values. The enemy is against godly households. The enemy is against godly churches, institutions, organizations that hold the word of God as the foundation of life. Anything that holds the word of God as the foundation of life, the enemy is after that. Fight for it. Fight for it. What you complacent to now will hold you captive tomorrow. If I just let it go because it's not my problem now, it will hold you captive tomorrow. What am I complacent about? Whatever you're complacent about right now can hold you captive tomorrow. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I love the scripture. Ruth chapter 1, 16 and 17. It says, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth a Moabite doesn't belong to the, the ancestry of the children of God from Bethlehem. And here comes Naomi who is going to Moab. Oh, Mo, Ruth, did you think you were just, go, Naomi, did you think you were just going to Moab accidentally? No, you're going there to find Ruth because that's the plan of God. But when Ruth comes into the household of Naomi, she makes a commitment. You know what? I will fight for everything that you're fighting for. Though I was a Moabite till yesterday, but today in this union, God has brought me together in this household. But I'm going to fight every single last breath of my life to fight for what is valuable that you are holding on to. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you go, I will go. The value of family is learned from Ruth's decision right here. A lady who never knew the existence of God till yesterday, but when she came to the knowledge of God through Naomi, she makes a commitment in our life to fight for what values the most in our life. Naomi, you don't have to do it by yourself, but until my last breath, I am going to be the builder of the nation of Israel. In fact, the genealogy will begin right here today. The Messiah's arrival begins right here today because I make a commitment to follow you where you go because I'm going to fight for what values the most right here. Do I have some courageous leaders seated right here who will make an agreement in this house? God, thank you that I'm alive in this time and space and where you have put me, I'm going to pray that, Father God, I pray in Jesus' name, that courageous people who rise up as prayer warriors and intercessors who rise up from this space would say and recognize the evil's tactics. 
and stand in the gap so that the enemy doesn't have a way in it. Ruth chapter 1 verse 17 would say, There you die, I will die. Where you are buried, I will be buried. May the Lord do to me and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. A commitment that she makes, a soul commitment, a connection in the soul that she makes here. The Lord, what matters the most is fight for your family. And I'm going to do that. I pray that the people in this room right now, we are challenged by God in this moment to fight for your family. Fight for what values the most. Do I have some moms in this room who are praying for your daughters? I pray that our daughters will rise up to bless the nation that we live in. I pray that our sons will rise up to bless the nation that we live in. I pray that they will be agents of change wherever God takes them. Why do I share this? Because I pray that people will rise up understanding. We fight for what values the most. We will not let the enemy take control or take over what God has given us. I pray that we will stand in the gaps and pray for our children because they are the church of today. They are the church of tomorrow and generation after generation, they will seek the Lord for he is great. We fight for our family. We fight for our family. Listen, um, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors uh, that you serve beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites in whose land you're living right now. But for me, and my household, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what about you. And sometimes in families, we have to make that decision. I don't know what you are doing on a Sunday, but me and my household, we are worshiping the Lord. I don't know what you are doing on this day, but me and my household, today there is a prayer and we are going there. Me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Me and my household, we know that we are the light of the world. Me and my household, we know that we are the salt of the earth. We know that we are the agents of change. I don't know about you. You can worship the idols. You can worship the God of the Amorites or the Euphrates, wherever you are. But me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's a declaration a godly man would make. That's a declaration, a child of God. And I make young people in this room, when you are going through school and life and challenges of, you know, life away from home. And uh, uh, probably I pray over your life, you know, like after five years, maybe six years, maybe 10 years, when God unites you together with a family, I pray that what you are finding, where you are standing right now, will be the very foundation that will help your family to stand on. The foundation is the word of God. It is rock Jesus Christ. On him I find myself rooted. On him I build my life. Why? Because he's the rock of ages. He don't change for people. He doesn't change at all. He's a rock of ages. Brothers and sisters, Joshua here makes a commitment. He lets the whole Israelites know this one thing. But if serving Jesus is undesirable, serving the Lord is undesirable to you, then choose for yourself today. Make a commitment today. Let's part ways today. I am no longer going to walk in circles any longer because I am going to make a decision here. Who you serve, whether the God of your ancestors, 
the thoughts that have ruled them to serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we have decided that we will stick together serving the God that has led us thus far. The same God that has led us through the Red Sea, the same God that has led us from the captives and the same God that has led us thus far. That's the God that we're going to serve together. And if the city, the nation of Israel stands together till the last breath, I pray this is the generation God has anointed to declare. We will fight for what values the most in our life. So parents in this room, family members in this room, fight for your family member. Fight for your family member. Even as I share that, I want to pray for some people in this room. I want you to write down those people that you're praying for their salvation. It's a fight. The enemy never allows anybody to see Jesus the way you see. The, are you with me, church? The enemy will never allow that they will experience the grace of God the way you are experiencing. In fact, the enemy will never want that them to have a seat at the table like how you have during our Holy Communion. We have a seat at the Holy Table. The enemy never wants that. And that is where you must fight for it. I pray that you will have at least two names in your Bible written down that you're praying for this season. Fight for them in the spirit. The enemy doesn't want to leave them. But I pray that we will fight for them. Fast for them. Can you do that? Pray for them. Can we do that? Young people in this room, you love somebody in your school, in your class. You, you, you like them. You, 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 you constantly do life with them. Uh, have you prayed for their salvation? Have you prayed that, you know, the way you worship the Lord, uh, you will have them worship the Lord as well? Fight for what matters the most. I pray a generation of Jesus' army will rise up. That fights for. We will not let the enemy have his way any longer. He had his way thus far. But today a group will arise uh, 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 challenging the enemy's authority in this room. Because we are ready to fight for what matters the most. Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Listen, the biggest attacks of the enemy... The biggest attacks of the enemy is to divide whatever is united. To divide a united church, to divide a united family, to divide anything that is the way of the enemy. He just wants to divide people. And today that spirit of division has to be killed in Jesus' name. That spirit of division that is there in our churches, that spirit of division that is there in our families, the spirit of division that is there in your relationships, in your business, or wherever the spirit of division has been dividing God's people must be recognized, discerned, and sent him out. Praise the Lord. Because we as a church, we need to understand, as a children, we need to understand, we're going to fight for what values the most. And you fight is not against the flesh or blood, but against the principalities. Every demonic stronghold. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Anyone who neglects to take care of family members, 
he has denied the Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Well, I had to bring the scripture up today. Because I can't preach, fight for your family without mentioning the scripture. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. Anyone who neglects to take care of family members. Always understand God has put people in our life that we call family. We must help each other. We must take care of one another. It could be our parents, our children, whoever it is. Brothers, whoever it is within the church community. But listen, anyone who neglects to take care of their family members, he has denied the Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. How many believers do I have in this room who believe in Jesus Christ? You all doubt? You all believe in Jesus Christ, right? But what does the scripture help us to understand this morning? I pray that with folded hands, it comes as a questioning to our own conscience today. Anyone who neglects to take care of their family members, he has denied Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. My challenge to my church is, if there's anybody in our life, personally, we have failed to take care in our relationship that God has brought in our life, I want you to make a challenge, a commitment. There's no point in you hearing a 30-minute message that does not change us, right? So I pray that this will lead to us having a good conviction in the Lord. Take your phone call. Take your phones. Call that person. Check on them today. Can we do that as a church? Because it's worth fighting for what God has positioned in our life. They may not understand our language. They may not understand what we do. They may not understand. They cannot agree to all you're doing. But today you understand it is worth fighting for what God has put in my life. You know, there was a, once an old man. He was taking care of his wife who had Alzheimer's. And uh, she barely, she could not rem- remember anything. This old man was taking care of his wife for many, 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 many years. Uh, uh, one of his friends, close friends, came to him and he said, hey, why don't you put your wife in the nursing home and they can take care of her. Why do you have to suffer along with your wife? She doesn't even remember you. Probably she will never remember you and she will die maybe in a year or two years and you've been taking care of her faithfully for so many years. The, old, the husband, the old man, looked at his friend and said, she does not remember who I am, but I remember who she is. It's worth fighting for people that God has brought in our life. It is worth, and today, that's where the enemy comes in our life. That's where the enemy is trying to divide. He is trying to divide every united family. I pray in God's authority today that there is a group of families that are fired for Jesus that will fight for your families. Listen, Moses fought and delivered his family from bondage. Noah protected his family from the flood. Can I have the worship team behind me? Joseph provided for his family during the famine. David killed the giant, preserving his brother's lives. Esther's one night with the king saved an entire nation. Abraham fought to free Lot from captivity. Ruth fought to provide for her mother-in-law. Jacob fought with Laban to win his family. Jairus fought for his deathly ill daughter's healing. What are we fighting for today? Who are we fighting for today? We fight against each other. But listen, we must fight for them. Don't fight among each other. 
Don't fight among each other that, that, that allows the enemy to destroy every beautiful thing God has created us to rule over, to occupy, to grow, to make it more beautiful. But fight for them, not fight against them. Today, it's a reminder what Christ has done on the cross is worth fighting for every single blood that dropped out of his body that was fighting for you and me. The precious body of Jesus that was broken on the Calvary, there was he fighting for a generation that will fight for their families. And I pray today in, in, in every changing things that is happening all around us, but understand, fight for your family. How do we fight for our family? How do we fight for our family? What are the things that we could do to protect our family? I pray that you know, in a week at least, one day is set apart. In a week, at least one day is set apart that you pray for your children. I want to make that commitment too, that we pray for our children, a blessing over their life, that they will rise up in a generation and they will be the leaders, influencers in that generation. Can we do that? Pray for our children. Pray for your church that you're associating with. Devote a day to commit yourself in prayer, in service, in serving. It's worth fighting for what God has brought us together. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. It's a beautiful scripture verse that I pray will challenge us and lead us into conviction. Anyone who neglects to take care of family members, he has denied Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Believers in this house, we are here to glorify God. Believers in this space, we are here to stand for what is right in the sight of God. God has allowed us to lead a family, to lead a business, to lead a congregation, to lead a team, wherever it is, do not let the enemy have his way into what God has united together. Can we look to the Lord in prayer as we take our attention towards the Holy Communion here? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the grace of yours in this room. Help us, O oh Lord, in everything that the enemy has brought to our life to destroy, to disrupt the work of God. The biggest attack of the enemy, Father, we, decide, we understand it is to divide the very united body of Christ. But we pray today in Jesus' name. Help us, O oh Lord, that we stand up together to, Father God, declare a warfare against the tactics of the enemy. Today, together, Father God, that we rise up to declare what God has united together. It's white. It's worth fighting for that marriage. It's worth fighting for that family, for that church, for that organization, for that business, for that relationship. That God has united us together. Thank you for the grace of heaven. And in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters. Um, every month, you know, we have the opportunity to look to the Lord and bring our attention towards the holy table. Um, the, w what signifies the holy table is what Christ has done on the cross. This is not here. This is, this is not an institution of the church. This is not a sacrament of a belief. Uh, this is what we do uh, in remembrance of what Christ has done on the cross, what Christ has done on the cross. And everybody in this room, perhaps you might understand this, if there's anybody new who's listening to me, and uh, uh, we do this not because this is part of a church, we do this because this is part of Jesus. 
the holy table is not part of an assemblies of God or the church of God or whatever organization or denomination or it is part of Jesus. We get to do this because he has united us. We get to do this because of what Christ has done on the cross. On that night, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 helps us understand. On that night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup in his hand. He took the bread in his hand. He broke the bread. He passed it on to his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup in his hands. And he passed it around and he said, this is my blood in the new covenant. What was Jesus helping the people understand? He was helping the people understand that what I have done, you no longer have to do it. My body was broken so that a million pieces of your broken lives can be united together in godly love. Brothers and sisters listening to me today, the precious table of Jesus Christ, He has invited you and me to be partakers of this table. He's invited us to join together, join our hands together, join our souls together, to come across this table as a family. What a privilege it is. What a privilege it is that we as a family can extend our hands towards the holy table. Who do you invite to your house? Your friends? Your family? Somebody that we know? Even when I was a stranger, he has already known me. Even before I was found in grace, Jesus has already redeemed me. That's my faith in Christ Jesus. Why do we do the Holy Communion every month? Why do we do the Holy Communion? You know, if you look at it, you know, these are prepackaged elements here. But we believe today as a church, when we gather together, we believe today that the precious body of Jesus that was broken was for my healing, for my, my, my peace, my joy, my unity in Christ Jesus. So when we extend our hands together, the Bible helps us to understand, do this in remembrance of what I have done. We're not doing this in remembrance of what we did last month, but in remembrance of what Christ has done on the cross. Why does Apostle Paul remind the church to remember this for what Christ has done? It's because, and again, again, in that passage you will see, remember to do it. Why? Because the tendency of our human mind is to forget. We forget things very easily. And that is why Christ reminds His church to remember what I have done. Brothers and sisters in this room, we look to the cross of Jesus Christ that has been the answer for our salvation. His cross never rejects you. Open arms of Jesus embraces people. You might be engulfed in sinful ways and practices, but today you can look to the Lord and say, God, I am sorry. Thank you for accepting me into your family. I am sorry for what I have done, but thank you for accepting me into the family of God.